And now, broadcasting on StarWorldWideNetworks.com, it's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the Cannabis Reporter, Snowden Bishop. Hi, and welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter. Last week, we talked with a former DEA agent who was on the front lines of fighting the war on drugs for decades. For the last several years, he's been a foot soldier fighting for an end to prohibition. It's a battle to restore the freedom to access marijuana for all of its amazing healing properties. Thankfully, victory is just over the horizon. Recent studies and more on the way are legitimizing marijuana for treating a variety of serious health conditions. Use of cannabis for medical purposes is becoming more widely accepted than ever. Unfortunately, the jury is still out when it comes to public acceptance of using marijuana for mental health, anxiety, or simple relaxation. Despite the fact that there is a silent majority of people who have either used it or don't see anything wrong with others using it for recreational purposes, it's not something they'd readily admit for fear of being judged. With the negative stigma that is ingrained in our culture and has been for most of our lifetimes, it's no wonder the topic of marijuana remains taboo. Freedom to use it, like alcohol, is the white elephant in the room that too few people with influence are willing to talk about and fewer still are willing to fight for it. Mental health is another white elephant topic that seems to make people uncomfortable. Even though it's as common as cancer or other physical diseases, psychological illness is unfairly stigmatized and doesn't get the attention it deserves. Conditions like PTSD and other neurological injuries that are common among wartime veterans are often taken less seriously than physical injury. Evidence suggests that marijuana is a safer alternative with no harmful side effects at all. It can also help to prevent suicide, which is disproportionately high among veterans. Due to antiquated federal law, VA has yet to sanction marijuana as a legitimate treatment for PTSD. Veterans who find comfort and healing with marijuana have to deal with the discomfort of defying federal law and overcoming the social stigma associated with both mental challenges and marijuana use. That takes courage. Speaking out about it publicly requires an extra dose of bravery. I'm excited to introduce our guest today, but before we get started with that, Nate Nichols has some exciting announcements in our Marijuana Minute update. What do you have, Nate? Thank you, Snowden. Today, I have a few different events I'd like to talk about. The first is taking place on October 2nd. The Southwest Healing Group is hosting the first annual Cannabis Industry Night as a celebration of the industry to show examples of how tomorrow's cannabis industry will look. There will be medical and industry professionals speaking from their various perspectives. It's open to all dispensary agents, cannabis vendors, and medical professionals interested in meeting like-minded professionals. The event will take place at Top Golf in Scottsdale. The next event is the second annual Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo, which takes place October 14th, 15th, and 16th at the Phoenix Convention Center. It's an all-day cannabis boot camp that will kick off on October 14th. The expo will include hundreds of vendors, educational seminars, and panel discussions with experts, medical practitioners, and celebrity advocates. Both events are open to the public, and since uh, there isn't any consumption, no medical marijuana card will be required for entry. We'll have more uh, information about both of these events available on our website, thecannabisreporter.com. So they're expecting like 
300 vendors and thousands of people at this, aren't they? Definitely. The one last year was a very exciting event. It was the biggest National Expo Phoenix has ever had. Yeah, and we have uh, some exciting news to report about this. Also, the, Definitely. Uh, we're going to be setting up a booth and broadcasting the Cannabis Reporter live through Star Worldwide Networks all weekend long. So people will have to stop by our booth and see what we're doing there. Definitely. Yeah. So, well, let's get to this. Um, I am really excited to introduce our guest. His name is Dan Schmink. He's a wartime veteran who also happens to be a hero in the fight for veterans' rights to access marijuana for healing. He spends a lot of his time educating and empowering veterans and others suffering with PTSD as founder of Southwest Healing Group. And I'm really excited to introduce him. Dan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Snow, and happy to be here today. Yeah. You have quite a story to tell. I've spent quite a bit of time on your website and, and looking through some of your blog entries in other places as well. And I, I found really interesting and tragic all at the same time that an impetus for you was dealing with people close to you um, who suffered from PTSD, who actually took the suicide route, which I mentioned in the opening is disproportionately high among veterans. Can you kind of tell me how you, how you came to this? How I came to start the Southwest Healing Group? Well, that too. I want to get to that as well. Mm-hmm. But in, in terms of um, advocating for cannabis to, to heal. Absolutely. So as I've talked about before, my, my journey really started when I was a teenager. You know, I got caught up in the bipolar craze of if you have any type of fluctuation in your mentality as far as mood swings, that you're automatically bipolar. Well, they started giving me uh, Depakote, Zoloft, and they started talking about lithium and Valium. And 14, 15 years old, I'm saying, I don't know why you guys given these to me. I feel fine, and I'm completely present. I don't have mood swings. I looked up the textbook definitions, and none of that matched me. Mm. But the way the pharmaceutical industry really works is they create a problem, they go lobby to advertise that problem. They start advertising that problem. Then they create a solution, and they sell it to you. It's all circular logic, and that's what happens in the industry. That's you know, way too look, common. It, absolutely. You look at uh, generalized anxiety disorder. Everyone is anxious these days according to these definitions. Everyone back then was bipolar, and now everyone's ADD. Right. You know, all of these different things are problems that they create. And so I, I got caught up in that early on. And uh, so I started my fight with getting off pills before I even left high school. You know, because I said I want to join the military, and they said, well, if you're taking any prescriptions, we can't take you. Mm. So I wanted to show to myself, to everyone around me, that, in fact, I am completely healthy, and I don't need these pills. So I got off and went to the military and got caught up in another cycle. Got injured. They said, well, you need to continue your mission. Here's some anti-inflammatories. Here's some Percocets. Here's aspirin. Anything else you need, just come get it from us. Just whatever you need to do to complete the mission. While I was overseas, I had a L5-S1 anterior bulge in my back, which means it compresses the spines at the very bottom of your spine, right? And so that electricity that's shooting through your legs goes all the way from the hip down to your toes. For 12 months, I had this. Um, Anyone who's thrown their back out knows exactly what I'm talking about, where you have a steel rod in your spine that does not want to move, and as soon as it goes any direction, lightning rods. And so because of that pain, going through the pills and the side effects and everything associated with it, that's where my passion for this this fight, this movement, uh, Southwest Healing Group, really comes from, is I've tried the i've tried pills i've tried prescriptions and i found that cannabis was just way better in every sense of the word right and and one thing i found really interesting as you were sort of disclosing your your 
the dosages uh, of the medicated uh, cannabis that you were taking. Mm -hmm. And the most effective, actually, you mentioned, happened to be the least uh, intoxicating, if you will. Absolutely. It was 100 milligrams of CBD. Mm. I took one 100 milligram CBD capsule. A little bit later, I took a second one. And after five days of not being able to walk, of sitting on my couch, you know, taking two hours to get out of bed in the morning, two capsules of CBD completely took away the pain to where I could stand up in front of the dispensary meeting last month and have a conversation you know, in front of a couple hundred people. Uh, before that, I was trying edibles, consuming via inhalation, vaporizers, all of it. You know, I, I want to say I probably consumed about an ounce in four or five days. What yeah. is CBD for those who might not know? So CBD, you know, that's the one that acts on the CB2 receptors that are more towards your immune system and the peripheral systems of your body, you know, arms and legs and everything else, organs, uh, where CB1 would be more of the psychoactive. So the CB2 literally goes directly to the site of the muscle and acts as an anti-inflammatory and removes a lot of that radical or of the muscular waste to allow it to heal. And so I found that that was really what worked because it was anti-inflammatory. It was also helping with the pain relief. And I was functional within two hours of taking this pill. It was just one little capsule. Right. Do you need a prescription to take CBD? No, not at all. It's uh, 50 state legal. Yeah, it's derived from hemp. Absolutely. Which is legal to consume. Mm -hmm. It's legal to purchase. It's legal to import into our country. Even you can even wear it. You can wear it as clothing. Um, it's legal to make paper out of it. It's legal to make all sorts of things out of it, building materials. Not to mention it can replace uh, non-perishable plastics. Correct. But it's interesting that it's still illegal to grow it here because it is still erroneously classified as a Schedule One narcotic. It's funny how that works, huh? <laughs> yeah. But it's a matter of um, educating people about it, too, because when you take CBD into a hospital setting, you, you're received with all sorts of consternation about it because oh, yeah. people don't understand that it's a legal substance. They assume all weed is the same. That's right. That's right, because that's what they've been taught for mm -hmm. generations anyway. Also, in the military, and I'm a military brat, so I, I understand a lot of the mentality about accepting new treatments for things, and mm -hmm. everything goes by the letter of the law. And, of course, um, because it's still uh, scheduled, Schedule One narcotic, there's so much reluctance I've noticed in military hospitals particularly about accepting this as a viable treatment, even though the evidence is showing it's a viable treatment. How are you combating that? Well, it starts with the discussion. Yeah. Same way that the drug war began. You know, they took 22 scientists and said, go prove or disprove that cannabis is dangerous. 21 people said, no, it's fine. One person said, Yes, it's dangerous, and that's how the drug war started. Mm. So if one voice out of, one minority voice out of a group can start something like that, you know, a butter, kind of like the butterfly effect, I would like to say that I might be able to cause the same effect for the positive side. Because mm -hmm. it, it only starts with discussion and authenticity. If you're authentic in the story that you're telling and you really can sh show that perspective that you've gone through and how, how cannabis can really change a life, that's really where it starts from. Yeah. Because if you have a story... And you can see what others have done with cannabis. You start asking questions. Maybe it can help my dad. Maybe it can help my mom, my sister. You know, who else could benefit from this? Mm -hmm. And a lot of us in this industry, we know the answers to that question is, or the answer to that question is that yes, it absolutely can help. It's just a matter of degrees and condition. You know, if you have cancer, RSO oil was definitely a route to try. 
for most people, that's not a, a route to go because you're not very functional sometimes. Mm-hmm. But if you have a lot of back pain, maybe CBD capsules, which have no psychoactive effect besides um, a slight calming effect, maybe that's the route to go. Yeah, It really is about moderation and unique solutions. And it really starts from the education side to have a high-quality discussion, not just for the patients, but for the industry. Mm-hmm. Because cannabis is a medicine, and if we can all get on the same page and start talking from that page, then we start finding answers to questions we don't even know are there yet. Right. It's an, it's an important process, but also I think that um, it needs a lot of uh, legitimacy through studies and that sort of thing as well. And I know that there are a few studies coming up, especially dealing with PTSD. Like Dr. Seuss? Yes, mm-hmm. Dr. Sue Sisley. And I know that that's something that is in the works uh, now in terms of the planning and all of that. So we're not really going to cover that very much, but eventually I hope to get to that because I think that that kind of study will add legitimacy to this this crusade to let people know what it is and how it can help so many. I completely agree because if we start with um, answering some of the questions of, okay, how does it affect the physical structures? You know, with PTSD, it really starts with three main structures. You have the ventral medial prefrontal cortex, mm-hmm. you have your hippocampus, and you have the amygdala. All three of these are associated in some way with a fear response, a trigger to a stimulus. For example, uh, I, got back from war, I got back from war, went to MCC, and I was in a parking lot, heard a cart backfire. To you and I, you know, now, it's just a cart backfiring. Mm. Back then, though, because of the way the physical structures are changed by a combat situation, that, like stimulus, causes one response, and that is fight or flight. In this response, it's always fight because I'm a soldier, right? Mm -hmm. You dip down, you get ready, and it's 360-degree security. I'm in the parking lot at a college immediately thinking of where's the firing line coming from. (laughs) Right. And it took me about two and a half seconds to go, wait a minute, it's Mesa, Arizona. Probably not the situation. But because of the way that the brain responds, that's where PTSD is really affecting the soldier. And that's why cannabis is so effective because it's not a choice to hear the backfire and respond a certain way. It's a choice to acknowledge that wasn't a normal response, and my body is respond, responding in a way not uh, typical. Mm-hmm. Understanding those changes and understanding the thought pattern that happens from a physical response, you know, because it's physical, emotional, and then it just, it's a circular logic right there, right? Mm-hmm. And so because of that, cannabis kind of breaks that wheel and says that response is now being rewritten so that you don't have the same action. And that's where cannabis really, really makes its impact. Um, for example, I think it was in the VP MFC where we have the decreased volume, which causes a downregulation of the response to that physical stimulus. Cannabis will actually bring back that volume so that you, ha- you can regulate those responses. So in essence, it's restoring the neurotransmission of those messages in your brain in yes. a way. Absolutely. It kind of, it's like, a, uh, like an oil change. Instead of going from crude oil, you're going to full synthetic. It's just you have to stick with it over time to get the benefits. Right. And so many people are completely unaware of this. And in fact, a lot of doctors seem to be too. Has that been your experience as well? Yeah, I have some stories about doctors and I, yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> um, in general, it seems that modern physicians that have been in, this, in the modern medicine industry for a while, aren't, uh, they're not as in tune with it what can be done with cannabis because they haven't seen peer-reviewed research. 
Uh, for a time, I was in the medical industry, and I understand. You know, if it's not peer-reviewed, if I can't trust the sources that say this is the outcome to a hypothesis, mm-hmm. then yeah, I can't use it in the medical setting because we have regulations and red tape, and we have to make sure that the check boxes are ticked, right? Right. So that's where a lot of them say, well, I'll wait for the science. And that's why studies like Sue's are so important, because with that science comes the answers to the questions that they can reference and go, yes, this was, I don't know, a double-blind or triple-blind study across these six or seven different, different research uh, fields, so now we have a picture that we can start defining from the medical standpoint. And they have certain standards that in place that they've been using for decades that help them to really shape a, a you know, if you, if you come in with back pain and a couple of conditions, okay, well, we can reference the symptoms to what we know most people have when you present with these mm-hmm. and give you a prescription, a physical therapy, re- referral, whatever it may be. So when they can say, here's the problem, Here's the solution and reference why that's the solution. That's when we can really start integrating into modern medicine. But right now, it really is just anecdotal evidence. And in the medical field, anecdotal evidence means wait for the science. Yeah. Someday. And, and how, many, how many veterans do you encounter that are just afraid to even try the protocol because of what it means um, legally and culturally and just having that um, sense of duty ingrained in their psyche mm-hmm. to to basically violate that, to go to cannabis. I mean, do you have a hard time convincing people? Yes and no. That's actually really, I'm really glad you brought that question up. Um, There was an individual I was talking to the other day who presented this question to me as well. It really made me think about when I made the choice to go from war hero, and I'm not saying I was a hero, but, you know, you come back from war, Mm -hmm. you know, they say thank you. I went from thank you for your service. (laughs) I'm just me. (laughs) Um, they say, you know, thank you for your service. Thank you for going over there. And for me, it was just, it was my duty to go. So I don't, you know, thanks isn't necessary for me. Um, so when I went from having thank yous to sideways looks, just because I may smell like cannabis, and this was very early on in the industry, mm-hmm. it's kind of a shock to the system. And for going through, P- when you're going through PTSD, anxiety is kind of a natural side effect. Now, I can go, if I, I used to be able to go out to, and this was, I'm fine now, but back then I used to be able to go out to, into society and be there for about half an hour, 45 minutes max, before 360-degree security, anxiety, thoughts of I have too many things behind me right now mm-hmm. would kind of kick in to where I would need to go home and just be by myself. Um, so I actually would even schedule my classes in college to where I could just get to the parking lot, go to class, do what I need to do, go back to the parking lot, go on with my day so I don't have to interact with anyone because interactions were scary. Because mm-hmm. you know, social interaction, you never know what's going to happen as far as conversation for a soldier who has a, if you do this, that means safety and you live versus if you do this and that was wrong because of the SOP, this just put everyone in danger. That same type of mentality when we think about how soldiers are integrating back into society is so prevalent with the decision to go to cannabis. This wasn't in the standard operating procedures. I'm completely in unknown territory, which means I don't have guaranteed safety. And that's kind of where the mentality comes from for PTSD vets is what is safe and what do I know and what's controlled. Mm. When, like there's some veterans that I know that uh, I've really been talking to to help them get more comfortable with conversations with crowds um, crowds is definitely a big one mm-hmm. you know asymmetrical warfare was kind of the modality when we went back over to iraq so that, that means that i could walk into a crowd and anyone could possibly be a combatant we didn't know versus say world war one or two where if you go across that line you know those are enemies if you're on this side you're safe mm-hmm. when you don't have that differentiation and you're inside a combat system for a year year and a half and you come back to society you can imagine that it's really hard to reprogram responses. Yeah, reentry is is a tough one. Mm-hmm. Are, are there good resources for people coming back? Do you think, or what's your perception of how people are reintegrated and the support that the government gives returning veterans? 
kind of a two-part two part answer. Uh, yes and no. I think there are valid resources, but they tend to be after you leave the service. People who went through the service found that it was inadequate, um, didn't prepare them in a certain way, didn't really answer questions that they needed to know. Mm -hmm. um, for example, when I got out of the military, I had no idea how to get a job. I didn't know how to write a resume. They had classes for us to go through, but it was mandatory. Let's just check this off, and none of us really paid attention. Um, when they talk about finances, they try to tell you, save your money, but no one really reminds soldiers, you guys aren't superheroes. You may have something after this service, so you probably should save. Most soldiers don't, you know? So when you get out, you have to, one, learn how to, to present yourself for a job interview, mm -hmm. how to work well with others, and how to accept that military lifestyle is not the only lifestyle. Cause, because when it comes to adherence to standards in the military, that is the, you know, make it or break it. So when you come back to society, sometimes it's hard to release those expectations on others. Is, is PTSD treated as sort of a taboo thing for people reentering and going to VA hospitals to address some of these psychological issues? If you're in, this, if you're in the hospital system and you say, I believe I have PTSD, they will do everything possible to help you okay. inside the system. You know, and how do they treat it? Well, prescription pills mostly. Like Ativan or Ativan, you know, antipsychotics, anti-anxiety, sleeping pills, pain pills, you name it. Um, also, they do have counseling available, but most veterans that I talk to, they we kind of all have the same experience. They don't understand um, if I mention that I have, I'm trying cannabis. It's immediately well, it was. I haven't talked about it recently, but right. before it was. Oh, you try cannabis? Well, here's some uh, drug abuse uh, statistics, and here's a recovery center we should you should go to. And they weren't even open to the fact that I was trying. So they really something. discourage it. Oh, absolutely. Um, it wasn't until fiscal year 2016 came out that we could even have a conversation with the medical doctors at the VA hospital. Before I was telling them, I'm in the industry, I've, I'm working at a dispensary, here's what I'm trying, and I'm seeing these results with veterans. I couldn't have that conversation because as soon as cannabis came up, they said, well, I, I can't talk about that. Right. And now I can. So, so not only was it uh, just taboo, it was off limits legally for them to talk about it or mm -hmm. policy-wise. Anyway. Absolutely, yeah. completely. Because they couldn't say anything that could potentially be taken as an endorsement because the doctors were extensions of the VA and if veterans are out there saying, well, my doctor at the VA said I could take cannabis, it's, you know, it's federal government. It's, mm -hmm. you know, someone's going to get the ax on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, even still, I had, I had a recent experience personally talking to a doctor at, at the Navy hospital in San Diego about it. And I think, it, you know, he was so reluctant to even hear it he said, you know, eventually, um, if you want, you can email me here on a separate, you know, <laughs> server. Mm -hmm. But he couldn't even have the conversation with me. And that's such a shame because yeah. the conversation really opens up a lot of eyes and a lot of minds to what can be done. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just, I mean, it's, it's not just recreational versus medical anymore. It is medical. I mean, we have a receptor system that we were all born with that interacts perfectly with cannabis. You know, it's a medicine. So when people hear that and you start giving them some of the science behind it and how it works with their body, you see their eyes open and they really start to understand. You start seeing them have questions like, well, can it do this or is it safe? Well, can I use it here? Absolutely. You know, here's some resources where you can, you know, self-educate. Right. Well, and also talking about, talking about mental illness or PTSD as if it were a physical ailment, too, helps to change the conversation. Mm -hmm. It's addressing the white elephant in the room, which, you know. Absolutely. And you, it, it is a, a physical ailment because you, you, we have... Um, we have proven brain structure changes that we've seen in MRIs from non-PTSD individuals and PTSD individuals. So we can actually go and say, okay, well, that structure was changed because of reduced volume and this one as well. Mm -hmm. And we can watch cannabis reactivate activity in that area. It's fantastic what it can do for PTSD. And that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing from these research uh, studies that are coming out, how 
and in what time frame can it possibly you know quotations heal PTSD because mm -hmm. at the end of the day you know from one veteran who has overcame most of my PTSD symptoms it's not just cannabis it's a full mind body treatment that you have to enact right um, for example when I threw up my back it was it two weeks ago I think I went to my my standard operating procedure of I hurt my back here's how I heal it the quickest I've gotten really good at doing this it starts with you immobilize for 48 hours you don't move you use heat packs you uh, sit in a V on the on the couch and you just completely take off all that pressure from your back right. on top of that you start doing yoga do you do some inversions I use an inversion table to help stretch out the spine do a lot of meditation and I'll also I try to be very strict in my nutrition because if you eat clean you burn clean and when you have a muscle that is damaged you have to give it as much fuel as possible clean fuel so that it can get rid of the, the radical oxygen um, molecules that are there doing damage. Mm -hmm. So you clean out everything. Within f two weeks, usually, I can be back on my feet. Yeah. With CBD, I was back on my feet in five, five days. So that's, wow. it, it basically cut my recovery time before cannabis and with cannabis in half. Yeah. And the, the protocols you were talking about, too, when you, when you first had your back injury was to strengthen your core. It, it all seems so counterintuitive. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Um, think of like the kinetic chain in the body. If I have a broken toe, which is going to affect the way my ankle, knee, lower back, uh, hips, so shoulder, and even my neck will interact on a step. So when I was overseas and I threw my back out, I literally had every single step was a lightning bolt in, in my feet. I would, I would be driving down the highway, tears going down my face because I was in so much pain. But I of I'm, of course, trying to hide this from everybody. Mm. You know, I'd turn my head to the side so that only one eye was crying and the other one I'd just say, you're not going to. It was that on the road. Yeah. And so I had to be so in tune with every single movement to make sure all the muscles were in perfect alignment because if I wasn't, I was face planning on the, on the road every single time. If I stepped out of the truck and I didn't have, say, my hips squared, lightning bolt on the ground in front of my entire platoon. You can imagine what that looks like in a combat situation. If you have 19 people where they're looking at every single one of us as I need to trust them with my life. In the military, um, injury means kind of abandonment in a way. Mm -hmm. It's a very trying time, and that ultimately is the... I believe the biggest elephant in the room with these veterans who have PTSD, who are going through all these different um, dilemmas, injuries, it's the fact that they don't have support while they're going through it and they don't have anyone to talk to. They feel completely alone so that when they do come back, it's so hard to say, I need help. Mm -hmm. Because that's a surrender right. in, in, their, in, our, in our eyes. You know, as soldiers, if you surrender, it's, you lose. Right. And what well, is losing? and you let down the people that you care about the most. Yep, and that's, that's our family. Right. You know, right. the man or one to your left and right, that is your family. You do anything that you can at any time to make sure that they're taken care of and that they're safe. And then if you look to your right and they can barely move, mentally it's okay, well, let me check that one off the box because I need to make sure that I'm taking care of this side. Because I know my left is fine, but my right, I don't know. And that's how, that's how quick it can turn. I mean, I was actually transferred uh, from one platoon to another, which uh, any soldiers out there listening, you know what that means. It means you're abandoned by one platoon. They said, okay, we'll trade him. I was traded from one platoon because of my back injuries to another platoon. And then when I got there, you know, they, they understood, but at the same time, it's, okay, we got, uh, we got an injured sol soldier, <laughs> you know. Right. And then if you try to take care of your back, then they start, they start saying things behind your back, start talking to you, start giving you extra duty. They find ways to punish you for being injured. It's a very interesting time. That's really quite sad. And, and, of course, while you're in, there's no one you can really talk to about that without admitting a weakness of sorts, I imagine. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was actually pretty lucky, though. One of my, one of my line sergeants, uh, Sergeant White, I'll never forget him, because I had, he was the only one who really listened. When I told him, look, I understand that I'm walking and moving, but... It's literally 100% attention on not throwing my back out every single step. 
And he started telling me stories about his friends who had the same kind of issue. And he's like, look, he was in two years, he started having back issues. Now he's six years into the military, he can barely move. He's in a wheelchair, he got out, he was medically discharged, and, like, he, and he told me, if you feel that this is what is going on with your back, take care of it now. He was the only voice in a sea of uh, unreasonable actions, really, mm-hmm. that gave me hope. And because of Sergeant White, I was able to go to the doctor and say, look, I'm hurting, I'm, I'm injured, what, what, what can we do? They started doing, um, you know, overseas, we didn't have physical therapy. We didn't have MRI machines. If you needed something really badly, well, you get flown back to the States. I'm not right. going to fly back to the States because that would be leaving my family. Right. You know, I trained for a year and a half to get here, and we've been here for six months. I'm not just going to abandon my family because I'm hurting. You don't right. do that as a soldier. soldier. You Charlie Mike and move on. So when they started talking about surgery and saying, well, it could potentially be uh, maybe we need to fuse your spine. And I'm, I'm overseas going, what? I'm 21 <laughs> years old and I'm about to lose mobility from the hip down, really? Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't need surgery. Um, I tried acupuncture. I tried everything else. Ultimately, it wasn't any of the military doctors that helped me. It was a civilian physical therapist who took five minutes to show me one exercise and said, if you do this for five days straight, I promise that your back will feel better. And all it was was sitting down in a push-up position, hips down, hands underneath your shoulders, and just extending your arms and letting your back flex. It's a traction for the lower back. Right. And I did that for five days straight, and I felt amazing. But the military doctors, the military physical therapists that I saw for probably going on about a year, not a single one of them knew that exercise. Wow. So when I think back to that kind of, you know, those kind of situations, I realized that their procedures and their checkboxes are ultimately the limiting factor because for something that took away, a, I want to say about 60% of my, my daily pain, that could have been something they showed me in Iraq. Mm-hmm. How did nobody know that? Right. That's, those are the kind of the questions that I get from my own perspective is the pain points where it could have been so simple to heal a soldier, yet he f- slipped through the cracks and surgery was being, surgery was being offered. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And so right. that's where I'm really coming from now is cannabis was what ultimately gave me a functional life. I've accepted that eventually I will be walking with a cane. So I, I love every single day and I'm grateful for the, the movement that I have, no matter how reduced it is on any given day, because I know eventually I won't have it. Mm-hmm. And I went to war, did my mission, you know, we succeeded. And now I'm just kind of, my new mission is just to live healthy. So I do everything that I can to just take care of myself now so that I don't have to do it later. Right. I want to bring up a, a sad topic, too, um, because you've written about it, and I think it's just something really important for people to acknowledge, and that is the extraordinarily high suicide rate among veterans with PTSD, particularly older ones who have been dealing with it untreated, essentially, for years, and women are impacted a little bit more than men, and I find it really hard to believe that that these men and women go out and and give their lives and sacrifice so much for keeping our country safe and all of the other reasons that people want to serve their country and they come back they don't get the help they need and they feel the ultimate um the ultimate solution is to take their own lives to the tune of 22 a day Seventy nine hundred a year, I mean that's extraordinary to me. Oh yes, and then you add in prescription pills, and we're talking twenty thousand plus a year between the two. Right. So yeah, with the overdoses, mm-hmm. and I mean, and these these drugs, even even the antipsychotics and the uh, anxiety 
anti-anxiety medication. I mean, they're so tragic. Absolutely. Uh, their impact on people. So how, how can we reach um, those who feel like that is the ultimate for them, the ultimate solution? How can we get to these people and get to others to recognize that this is such a problem and that cannabis could help? How do we do it? I think the fastest route, hopefully, the VA would allow us to advertise cannabis' benefits inside the VA hospitals. I would love to have flyers and brochures at the doctor's office when I go down there. They pass me out plenty of other stuff for chiropractic and various services, some mm-hmm. of them other doctor's offices that they refer me to. I would love to have a, a cannabis certification center or two inside those offices. Um, there's a lot of veterans that go there that tell them I don't need any prescription pills. And this is kind of where, to kind of give you an idea, there's a lot of veterans that go there and don't, they refuse everything. Say, mm-hmm. no, I don't need anything. I'm taking cannabis. I'm fine. Um, I didn't realize how commonplace that was until the, I told my doctor. She's like, I know you won't take any pills. I was like, how do you know that? She's like, well, all of you guys kind of say the same thing. I have cannabis. I don't want all that stuff. I don't need it anymore. So it really is a powerful thing for this doctor to say, I know that you won't take any pills because everyone is kind of on the same boat, you know, as, as veterans. Anyone who tries cannabis as a veteran, they find out how awesome it, it works. So if I could get the VA to really start sharing some information, if we could have a public awareness campaign from, I think, the marijuana industry as a front you know, all of our various resources put towards the patient community to say, look, we need to save our veterans. We need to help our veterans because every minute, every day, someone is dying unnecessarily from prescription pills or from suicide. Mm-hmm. We know cannabis helps with that. So as an industry, I think it's a kind of a call to action that all of us could do more to help. And that involves putting information out there, having public events, um, having resources available to veterans in the dispensaries. Here's a, a helpline. Here's a different, different groups that you can call. Um, there's suicide hotlines for veterans as well. You know, there are resources, and sometimes it just takes, you know, even just a, a Google, I need help. Yeah. You know, if you type in, I need help, you'd be surprised what pops up on that first, pa- first page of results. Um, especially for veterans. Around Arizona, there's a lot of these VFWs. There's a lot of different spots. Um, there's the Purple Heart Association. All of these mm-hmm. different areas focus on the veterans. Um, but really, it comes down to letting veterans know, number one, it's okay to ask for help. Because that, I think, is the hardest thing that a lot of us went through initially. Mm-hmm. Is It takes courage. It absolutely does. They tell us in the military over and over and over again, you are not superheroes. We, we disagreed with, you know, back then. Of course, no. You give us anything to do, we find a way. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty super. <laughs> <laughs> Just so when you come home and you realize that you're going through issues mentally or physically or socially, and you don't know how to fix them, it's really hard as a soldier yeah. to say, I need help, and can you help me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, just knowing that, for soldiers to know they're not alone, um, there are those out there, those, there are those of us out there that have gone through that situation. We know how hard it is to say, I need help. Just reach out, just ask. And, well, also, I think there's power in numbers, too. If um, I've, I've seen a couple of sites just in you know, doing some research for our interview today, it seems that there are places where um, the brothers in arms, if you will, are bandying together to say, hey, I do this and it's okay. And look how it's helping me. And I think it's important for civilians to understand uh, what some of the challenges are and how cannabis can help so that perhaps they can relax their opinions about um, or, or judgments about cannabis and pass the laws that are being presented in, 
you know, California, Arizona, Nevada, and other states, oh, yeah. you know, throughout the country. It's going to be fantastic when some of those pass because a lot, of, I know that there are veterans out there who aren't doing it purely because it is illegal. Right. You know, it, um, honor and integrity, yeah. those are ingrained. So when you go from being, I don't know, completely PC by the law, by the book, mm-hmm. to I want to try cannabis and step outside. I mean, one of the, when I first got into the industry, when I became a Prop 203 dispensary agent, one of the first things I heard was, congratulations, you are all now felons in the eyes of the federal government. Mm-hmm. Well, I was already a felon. I was already considered a felon seeing as how I was consuming cannabis with a card. So what else is, you know, what else right. is new? What else is new? But I think once that stigma goes away, we'll really have a tangible movement because the VA will be able to start talking openly about it. Mm-hmm. They know that it helps. They're hearing it from the front lines. Right. Um, that's being passed up the chain. We're seeing it in the national media. We're seeing it in discussions and political debates even. So the fact that it's in, in political debates, we know that it helps. It's just a matter of what are we ready to accept as, as truth and what can we prove at the moment. Mm-hmm. The more research we have, the closer we get to what we can accept as truth nationally and as a medical community. Yeah, and back to the studies, that's, that's the important thing. Most important thing, thing. we've got to have the education, we've got to have the baseline. Once we have the baseline, we can start asking questions and finding the answers. It's all about data. Okay, so tell me about Southwest Healing Group. Absolutely. So Southwest Healing Group is my education and social awareness platform. Um, we're talking about discussions, we're talking about data, we're talking about research. That, um, I want to combine all of those into tools for the patient community and the dispensary side of things to use to reference for best answers to cannabis questions. For example, if I want to know what is the average nas- national profile for cannabinoids and terpene of Gorilla Glue, where do I go to find that? Right now, there is no answer. Mm-hmm. There are some open source uh, data sources out there, but nobody has taken them and putting them into a tangible tool. My team out in California right now is developing that tool to have a web deployment and a mobile deployment to where anybody can ask a question and get one awesome answer as opposed to having to go to Google and sift through the pages of rhetoric. Thousands of pages, Mm -hmm. yeah. And they all say the same thing. Ultimately, the resources online are rehashed blog articles or one study that gets purported between like 10 to 15 different places, but it's all the same stuff. But no one's really saying, what does this all mean? And how can we use it to really push the quality of service, questions, research, and everything else associated with this cannabis movement. Mm-hmm. Again, it starts with discussion. But if you don't have something to talk about, that's where my app comes in, where my mobile deployment comes in, or sorry, my web deployment comes in, then now we have something to talk about. We have something to reference. If you have a control to reference, then you know, okay, well, here's the answer for it. Let me go tell my buddy. What do you think of this? That's what I'm really starting. I want to start a social movement based around discussion, based around stories, based around the fact that we are just people helping people Mm-hmm. But it takes standing up and saying, this is how cannabis helped me. And that's you know, what I've really come to realize in the last couple of months starting this group. Now, is it a place where people can go to actually get treatment as well? Not at the moment. Okay. Um, maybe somewhere down the line. Mm-hmm. You never know. But right now, it's just social awareness and educational tools. And I'm kind of, like you were saying, with the veterans as a kind of like a band of brothers, I'm finding other veterans who have had similar experiences that want to get out and tell their story. So Southwest Healing Group is turning into a platform for people to do that. Uh, we're developing Share that their piece own of. experiences and, and share how cannabis has helped them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We're developing that on the website right now. It uh, should be launching probably November, December time frame. Yeah. Is it um, former military and civilians? Absolutely. Yeah. Anyone who's interested in cannabis and wants to have a really good conversation. Um, we're going to have a lot of educational resources. Uh, myself, other veterans, medical professionals, RNs will be available to answer some questions and really help guide, uh, I call it a guided progression. Also, um, one of the things you have 
planned is an event coming up. Mm-hmm. I believe on October October second, five thirty to eight thirty p.m. We'll be over here at the Talking Stick Top Golf. We've got the third That's floor. That's in Scottsdale, Arizona. Yep, Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, Sunday, October second, five thirty to eight thirty p.m. If you want more information, it's shgarizona.com. Uh, space is limited, so anyone who's wanting to get their tickets, make sure you grab them now because we only have about 200 to 250 people that we can bring in. But mm-hmm. We have the top floor of Top Golf. We have 16 bays. We have the terrace. We have the bar, live music. We have legendary Cush County coming out. We're going to have a nice um, raffle giveaway. we got a lot of stuff being donated to the organization to help spread the word. Uh, Phoenician Grinders, for example, they did a custom engraving of the SHG logo. Right. We'll be giving away a couple of those. Some really nice glassware. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, and it's not a consumption event. Not a consumption event, no. Yeah, so you don't have to have a medical marijuana card in Arizona to well, attend. For, the, for this one, since it is limited space, it's mostly for dispensary uh, agents, vendors, owners, okay, uh, medical professionals and media outlets, and also dispensary patients. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so mainly for networking and really getting more information and that well, sort it's of kind thing. Of a, yeah, it's networking and a show of support for the patient community. Because okay. since South Southwest Healing Group is for patients, you know, we are patients for patients. Mm-hmm. Any company that has sponsored us, you know, thank you, by the way, to Weedmaps, SWCC, the kind concentrates, all of our other sponsors, you know, they really help put, put this together. Um, it shows a support for the movement. I see. You know, it's, uh, sure, it's, it's going to be a networking event. It always is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, everyone's coming together to support cannabis and what it can do. Uh, a lot of our speakers are going to be focusing on the education side, the standard size, how it helped change their lives. And there's one special guest that has a story that is truly going to impact the world. He just needs a platform to tell it. He's, he just signed on yesterday to come out and speak, and I think it's going to be very powerful. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I look forward to that. I look forward to that. Absolutely. So what, what is the takeaway message that you want people listening? Because we've, we've got audiences in a lot of different places uh-huh. who may not uh, know all they need to know about cannabis because they just wouldn't think to go online and, and learn about it. What's the biggest takeaway uh, for them? I'd say the biggest takeaway is to be comfortable trying something new. A lot of propaganda has been in place for cannabis since the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And we're just now recently finding that a lot of that propaganda was very false. Don't be afraid to try something new. Cannabis by the day, creates more and more stories and individuals who have had their lives changed for the better. I attribute cannabis to the fact that I can walk today. I know others who, have, who attribute cannabis to the fact that they recovered from stage 4 cancer. Um, we are people telling these stories, and we're, it's, it's truth. You know, we're telling it simply from how it changed our lives. If you believe cannabis might help you, do your research. Go online, look at CBD, look at THC, look at terpenes, and really delve into what is out there, and how it can help you. Ask someone who's tried it, what happened with them, how did it make them feel, and then ask them how to get started, because moderation and everything is really the key for cannabis. And for trying a new venture into cannabis for your health, always remember to start small and keep a record of what you're doing so that you can really create an individualized profile of what strains or products work best for you. And if you have any questions, there is always shgarizona.com. If you send an email to me, I uh, used to be a bud tender for a long time, helped over 10,000 patients face-to-face. I would love to have a discussion with you and, and to answer any questions that you have. Yeah. And also there are um, medical clinics cropping up here and there where there are doctors who are willing to Absolutely. Uh, go outside of their um, 
medical license to actually talk to patients who are really following the studies. And oh, absolutely. You, you tend to find uh, really good resources around the certification clinics. You know, they mm. have the doctors that help start those, and they also have really good resources in their network to other professionals that patients can talk to, um, you know, like Liz Valentine over at Green Star, uh, the MMJ doctors, Sun Valley, great minds, great physicians behind them, and I've had nothing but great experience with all of them. Highly mm -hmm. recommend any of those sources to patients. Yeah, yeah. We interviewed Liz a while back. And yeah, amazing woman. She is amazing, and she's, she's not a medical doctor herself, but... Wow, does she know healing with cannabis? Oh, yes, she she does. knows and understands it better than anybody I've ever met, anyway. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I actually I got certified at her center, and it's uh, refreshing to be able to talk to a doctor who really understands cannabis and why people are using it and can have an informed medical discussion with you about using it. So it's a refreshing perspective for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, anything to add, Nate? No. I, uh,. I'm curious to hear more about your event and see how it all comes together. I think it's going to be a really special evening. Thank you, man. It's uh, definitely picking up a lot of momentum. You know, you've been kind of, you've been watching it grow. It's it's picked up a lot of steam in the last three four weeks. So I think it's going to be a fantastic event, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of friends and new faces there. Yeah, well, I think it'll be I think it'll be a fantastic event. I'm really really looking forward to it as well. So it's S H G mm -hmm. Group. SHGArizona.com Arizona. for the website, yeah. Southwest Healing Group. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that I had that uh, that I had that correctly. So I would like to, um, I guess, close the show by saying thank you. Thank you for the insight. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for your service to the country. I appreciate it. Thank you. And um, keep it up. Wow. If you, if you follow me online, you know one of my favorite sayings is truck don't stop. Yeah. And this one, sure, I sure don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's quite a journey, and I think that a lot of people could benefit by learning more about you. And, um, again, that's shgarizona.com. Find out more about the amazing work that Dan is doing. And um, you can also learn about the event at Top Golf on October 3rd. Um, October 2nd. Yeah, or 2nd, I'm sorry. I also want to thank our very own Nate Nichols for our Marijuana Minute update and sharing the events with us. Um, if you want to learn more about today's show and other compelling topics and guests on our website, please visit thecannabisreporter.com. And thank you a million times to Dave Pratt and the team at Star Worldwide Networks for making us shine. And thanks to Ed Vanderley, who's sitting in for our producer, Wendy West, today. And thanks to all of you for listening. Tune in next week, same time, same place, for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. Until we meet again, stay safe, stay informed, and make it a great day. Every green is cool.